Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Hallelujah. Well, before you sit down, grab those Bibles. We're going to get into the Word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so happy to be home. I am so happy. There's no place like home. There's no place. And you know, um, before I get into my message, the Lord gave me a word, um, Pastor Daniel, that's directly in line with what you just prophesied over Wally and Lauren. And I want to share that first and then get into the word. But it goes directly with what the Lord's called me to preach tonight. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful you're in the house of God on a Sunday night. You guys are crazy. Nobody else is in church on a Sunday night. Come on. I want you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Come on, before we get into this, would you just stretch out your hands and pray? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the awesome privilege of standing here. I thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done in my life. And I pray, oh Lord, that I would be your vessel poured out tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me and speak through me tonight. Lord, I yield to you, mind, body, and soul. And I ask you, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. The Lord gave me a word for our church. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and I want to read it. If you, those awesome people on the pro presenter could get that. It says right here in the New Living Translation, Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And the Lord actually gave me this word as a personal word to me about my own house. And as I was studying it, the Lord said, this is also for my house. So King's Chapel, Alaska, I want you to hear this. And the Lord would say, as we pray, as we build, as we give to build this building, we will reap a harvest. We will be bursting at the seams. We have already declared it that that building is already too small. We're going to go from one service to two services to three. It's going to happen. And I want to say this. It's going to be a bursting at the seams. And during this time, the children, the youth, and those of you who are growing up as disciples in this house during this time will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And the Lord says that it's not just those that are called into ministry, but he kind of gave me a list. He said that those of you that are in this house during this time, that if you will stay the course, if you will build, if you will give, if you will stay in this house, the Lord is going to call you to other nations. We've already declared that our house is like an aircraft carrier. We take people, we build them up, we disciple them, and we send them out. But the Lord said not only as missionaries and pastors and evangelists, but as doctors, designers, musicians, dancers, artists, engineers, teachers, politicians, every area and every arena in our nation today that is ruined, that we are going to resettle them in the name of Jesus. 
And the Lord says that we are going to rebuild the standards of the living God, raising up the walls of holiness, righteousness, and truth. And so I want you just to lift up your hands and then I'm going to get into the word. Father, I receive your word over our church. Father, that we will spare no expense. Lord, we are expanding our tent pegs and we say, Lord, you do it for your glory. I pray right now, Father God, that you would call us to nations, call us to villages, call us to big cities, call us, oh Lord, to small towns, that Lord, we're going to resettle the ruins. We're going to rebuild, Father. We thank you, Lord. We say do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. That was supposed to be the end of my message, but the Lord told me I needed to say hallelujah. I don't know if you can tell, but we're already a little bursting at the seams here at our church. And I want to thank you for holding on. We get a little sweaty. We get a little hot in here. All right. We get a little loud. Praise the Lord. I'm just so grateful for all of you. I'm so thankful for my church family. I thank you for praying for me, my husband, my children, my, our ministry here. Thank you, Lord. Um, I want to say hi to Emma. Hi, Emmeline. I love you. Mwah. She's watching online from Texas. I'm so proud of you, sweetheart. I'm so proud. Um, she's in college. Right? How did that happen? I don't know. Okay. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. I can't. I need to settle down. I'm just kind of shaking. Not because I'm nervous, just because I'm excited. Hallelujah. So that word that I just gave goes right along with the word the Lord gave me to um, share with you tonight. The title of my message tonight is Resettle, Rebuild, and Restore. Resettle, rebuild, and restore. And I want you to turn in your Bibles just a, cha- a couple of chapters ahead to Isaiah 58. And we're going to read a little bit more of it later on, but I want to turn your attention to, chap- or to verse 12. Verse 12. I'm going to read it in two separate versions, I, uh, the New Living and the NIV. And it says this, Isaiah 58, 12. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. I'm going to read it to you from the NIV. It says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. The Lord gave me this word actually a a few weeks ago and began to speak to me about the ruins, about the broken down walls, about the deserted cities, and in a spiritual aspect. And I want to talk to you tonight about those things. And I want to talk to you about the importance of walls. I think it's a little ironic we sing a couple of songs about walls breaking down tonight. (laughs) And yes, Because the walls of your heart need to be broken down so that the Lord can do his work. All right, but we're going to be talking about spiritual walls. And let's talk about the purpose of walls. If you've watched any kind of history channels or historical movies, um, I love the old ones with medieval castles that have walls and moats and all of the above, right? And so you know in, in ancient times when they built a city, when they built a fortress, it had walls around it. So let's just think a minute about the purpose of those walls. The purpose of those walls, number one, was to protect, right? 
to protect the inhabitants who lived within those walls. Most of the time, the monarchy lived within those walls. Okay, the public servants lived within the walls of, the, uh, of the, that fortress. And most of the time, the house of worship was located within the walls of a city or within a fortress. And even though there was outlying villages, when the enemy would come, the villagers would go where? Inside the walls to be protected. Secondly, it was a defense. The walls were a defense against enemies. Against enemies. We've all seen movies, okay, about how they scale the walls. They throw those, what are those little hook thingies, right? If you've watched Lord of the Rings, okay, the battle of, which one is it? Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. That's like, a, that's like an awesome battle scene. Okay, kids, you can't watch that yet. All right. So, but, you know, they have the ladders with the hook thingies over. In all ways, the wall was a defense against the enemy. And if the enemy could breach the walls, they could breach and attack the inhabitants inside. Again, it was to protect, to defend, and to secure what was most valuable, all right? And, and again, those nearby villagers, if an enemy, if they knew an enemy was coming, they would seek refuge inside the walls of the fortress. And here when we're, when we're reading um, the prophet Isaiah, he's prophesying to the Israelites because he, <clears throat> during this time, the Israelites are going to be exiled. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, the walls are going to be broken down. The gates are going to be burned. Okay? There is no defense, there's no protection, and there's no security. So Isaiah is talking to them and prophesying what's going to happen after they are exiled, that the Lord's going to restore. The last thing that walls do is they safeguard. They safeguard or they allow the soldiers to keep watch. Everybody say, keep watch. So most of the time, the walls were built up very high where people could not scale the walls. They had to have ropes or ladders. But it gave a vantage point to be able to see a long way off, to be able to see if an enemy was approaching from a long way off. So the purpose of the walls was to give that vantage point and that perspective. And so I want to talk to you um, also about when when they built their cities, when they built their walls, you read in the Bible about the different gates that Jerusalem had. There were several different gates, okay? And gates are put in strategic places, okay? They are the key to the city's defense and potentially its weakest point. If the soldiers or the enemy couldn't scale the wall, what would they try to do? Break the gates, come through the gates. And so when they built cities and designed and engineered, they built to where those gates, most of the time, a city built in Bible times would have two types of gates. It would have a, a pedestrian gate where only people could walk through, only people. And then they would have a, like a transportation gate where wheeled carriages and wagons could, could, could be pulled through. And most of the gates had towers above them so that, again, the soldiers could see what was coming in the gate. They could watch what's coming through the gate. They could guard what's coming through the gate. If they saw something that didn't look right, they could close the gates and be protected. 
And again, we had those, these towers. Most of the walls had towers built on the corners of there or above the gates. Why? As a vantage point to be able to defend the city, to be able to see a long way off, right? And to be able to battle the enemy from high up. How many of you guys know when you have the higher ground, you have an advantage, right? So my family learned the importance of gates this summer. If you wonder why everybody's laughing, it's because after our amazing, awesome kids camp we had, oh, it was anointed. It was awesome. It was called Roundup. It dealt with the second coming of Christ and, and being ready and staying ready for Jesus to return. We did an actual Roundup of our cows. And, you know, Pastor Daniel, I, I love you and your wife and your awesome kids. Pastor Daniel came, for those of you who don't know, after that powerful three-day camp that we had, we had an amazing service here. Thank you again for letting us take over Wednesday night. It was an honor. And we had a powerful, how many of you have ever worked at camp and you know the day after camp, you don't call that, you don't call anybody because you ain't going to answer, you are comatose, right? Don't talk to me. I just, I just need my pillow for as long as my body will let me lay there, <laughs> and I need coffee, and just don't talk to me, okay? So the day after camp, okay, my husband comes at 11 a.m. I'm still asleep. That never happens, okay? He wakes me up. He says, Kimmy, Kimmy huh? He says, somebody let our cows out, huh? What? I thought I was dreaming. I was like, What? Somebody stole our cows. What? I couldn't believe. He goes, get up. I need help. I was like, I got I, putting all my extra tufts over my pajamas, throwing my hair up. I was like, what are we doing? We get out and we learn the importance of gates. We learn the importance of having locks on our gates because someone decided to be malicious mean. We've forgiven them. We pray they get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. All right. And uh, someone came and herded our cows out of our pasture and thus began a six day cow hunt through the Alaska jungle. We got to know all of our neighbors. I'm so sorry, my cows, have you seen my cows? You know, we're getting messages. And uh, we know now, next summer when we get our cows, our new batch of cows, we, we raise beef, um, we're going to put locks on our gates. And not only that, but we're going to put game cameras above our gates. I need a watchman. I need somebody watching over that gate. I might even get a dog. <laughs> I don't know. All right? To sound the alarm. But gates are important. They keep important things in and bad things out. Okay, so we have that. Now, what are the ruins that need to be resettled? We just spoke in Isaiah 54. We just read, your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Think about our nation in the time that we live in right now. We have some ruins that need to be resettled. We have some arenas that need to be rebuilt according to the word of God. Arenas like education. We need godly, spirit-filled teachers 
to permeate our education department. Our education needs resettling. Politics. We need godly, spirit-filled men and women to rise up and be involved in politics. Right now, our nation, you heard the word this morning from Prophet Jim LaFoon. It's like opposite, exactly polarized. We've never seen such division in our nation. What about the arena of entertainment? Think about those three arenas in our nation, how they have the most effect on our families. Education, where do you send your kids to school? What are they learning? Who is in control of the laws in your area, the mandates? Okay, and what are your kids watching? Who's influencing them? What are they listening to? Those three main arenas are right now ruins in our nation that need to be resettled by young people, old people, middle-aged people who are filled with the Holy Ghost and power to raise a godly standard in those arenas. We used to have a, a I don't love you, help me, help me remember, personal powerful permeating. What's that called? It's, a, it's not a motto, it's a... Thank you. Mission statement. King's mission statement when we first came on staff was personal. We are always going to be a personal church. Powerful. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit and his power to move and to have his way. And permeating. Permeating means we infiltrate every arena in society. In the construction arena, we need spirit-filled guys building and speaking life over their co-workers in every single arena. And that is all of us doing our part where God has put us in that sphere of influence. Think about our families. Think about our families. So we talked about our nation. Now I'm getting a little bit smaller. Think about our families. God's original design for families. His design not my opinion. Do you understand? Not man's opinion. God's design for our families is to be a husband and wife, raising their kids, staying married forever. Okay? Until one of them goes to be with the Lord. Our families, the enemy has done his work. He doesn't rest. The Bible even says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he has begun to devour our families. Fatherless generations and those that are living without a father, living without a mother, being raised in the foster care system, being raised in the adoptive system, all of those things. And the, Lord's, the Lord is calling us to rebuild and resettle what the family is supposed to look like. He's called us to look after widows and orphans. He said in his word, I, he will set the lonely in families. And the Lord needs us to be those families that is under his design, his calling. And the Lord makes provision. I was raised by a single mother. My father left my mom and my sister and I when I was 12 years old. She raised two teenage daughters on her own. Do you know what my mom did? She prayed. She prayed. And the Lord met her in her need. The Lord declared himself as her husband and her maker and her provider. And she prayed the, most, the smartest prayer any, of, any mom I've ever heard pray. And she said, Lord, 
You be a father to my fatherless daughters. If they're doing something they're not supposed to do, you catch them. If they're somewhere they're not supposed to be, you bring them home. I couldn't skip school without getting caught. I couldn't. I'm, I got caught every time. And in my anger and in my rebellion towards the Lord because I was angry with him for my father leaving, I would try to go to parties. And, and you know who would show up? My sister. And then we what, what are you doing? I'm going to tell mom on you. We get in this big argument, okay? We're both, we're not where we're supposed to be, okay? And the Lord makes provision, all right? I want you to hear that. But our families need re settling, rebuilding, and restoring. What about you as an individual? What about you as an individual? I'm not just talking to the singles out there. I'm talking about you personally. Those of you that are old enough to be accountable for your choices. What areas in your life has the enemy come and devoured? What areas in your life has he come and there's been no fight left in you. Think about the standards that you have. Think about the areas where the enemy has come, stolen your peace. It says he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if we want revival in our nation, guess who it starts with? It starts with you taking personal responsibility, reclaiming those ruins, allowing the Lord to help you rebuild walls, all right? Allowing and asking the Lord for help to do it. So ruins are places people have deserted spiritually. In our nation and individually and as families, we've deserted righteousness. We've compromised. We've deserted holiness. We've deserted justice. We've deserted God's truth. Once you could turn back to Isaiah chapter 58, if you can pull it up on the screen. We're going to read, I said we're going to read um, a little bit more of this. We're going to start in verse 6. Isaiah 58, verse 6. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. I'm just going to let that, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Keep going. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. 
Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Then it goes on to our main verse. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. He goes on to say about keeping the Sabbath day holy. But some of the places that we have deserted spiritually is honesty, integrity, godly character, compassion and service, serving others, serving those in need. Some of those things we've forgotten, especially during this pandemic, which I'm tired of the word. I'm tired of the word COVID-19. But the enemy sought to divide us, to make us only concerned with our own safety. The design of all of this has been to separate, to keep you away from helping other people away from giving a helping hand, even just being hospitable. We traveled a lot in the last month, okay? What are you laughing at over there? And I, going from place to place, I went from Oklahoma to Texas to Hawaii, and the difference in how people see each other, how they speak to each other. Do they even acknowledge each other anymore? Do they even open the door or let someone else go first? No, it's all about me, my safety, my comfort. And the Lord is calling us back to a place of compassion. You can't hardly see people's faces when they have these masks on. And I try to make it my absolute best to see people in their eye. And even if they can't, they can see my smiley eyes. Try to smile at them, speak to them. When we were in Hawaii, I could not wait to get home. The beach was amazing, just letting you know. After a rainy, cold summer, I was like, oh, God, thank you so much. But the fear that gripped people in Hawaii was overwhelming to me. No more aloha. No more, it was like go to a poi by the pound. Oh, you can't come in. You need to stay over here, put your mask on. You need to order right when you come in the door. Okay, put your order in, and, and oh, no, there was 10 of us in my party. My mom got to come, my husband's father got to come, and we were having a meal with Pastor Chris and Melissa. They're our family. I said, oh, we need seating for 10. Uh, uh, well, four of you can sit over there, and six of you can sit over there. I was like, we're all in the same family, okay? So they tried to separate us. Well, they sat us at a table of eight and so I asked the waitresses, I said, can, can we just put these other two chairs on either end? They looked at each other. Uh, I'm not sure we can do that. It's my family. We all share the same germs. I mean, we've all been together. Okay? So reluctantly, they allowed us to put two chairs on either end of the table, and all 10 of us got to sit and have a meal together. But we couldn't go out the front door. It was one way in, and we had to go out the back door. And I thought, and you know what's happened is it's caused us to turn our focus on ourselves. And the Lord has called us to look out 
for those that are brokenhearted. He just gave us a whole list of what he desires, the kind of fasting, the kind of compassion. And some of us have abandoned those things that the Lord has called us to do. He's calling us back. What about the walls of healthy boundaries that we have, that we should have? There's a great book out called Boundaries, and it talks about the importance of creating walls around your family, standards, all right? And the walls of healthy boundaries, both morally, physically, and spiritually, have been destroyed in our current culture. They've been destroyed. God has called us to rebuild these ruins and walls, to restore family and homes. Did you see that in that scripture, Isaiah 58? You will be called a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. What are the walls that we need to rebuild within our individual lives, our family, and our nation? Walls, number one, of prayer. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to see your family saved. It's the key to see them protected. It's the key to open your eyes and give you spiritual discernment as to what's going on in your kids, what's going on in your family. The Lord has called us to build a wall of prayer, protection. And you know what, parents? You pray for your kids. Don't let a day go by that you don't pray for them. I love the praying grandmas. Because you pray for all of us. We need that. Those of you that don't have a family to pray for, you pray for your relatives. You pray over yourself. Lay hands on yourself. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over me. Help me today to have wisdom and discernment. Secondly, what's another wall that needs to be rebuilt is the importance of God's word within our lives as individuals and within your family. God's word is the truth. It's not our opinion. It's God's opinion. It's what he declares. And right now in the time of deception that we live in, in the time where it's the most important, you must have a wall of God's word, truth that you can stand on, that you can believe in, that you can declare over your family, that you can declare over your workplace, that you can declare over our nation. God's word is the absolute truth. If you come across someone who wants to argue with you about homosexuality, who wants to argue with you about drug use, wants to, you can say, you know what? I have a great scripture for that. This is what God says about that. God's word is a wall that needs to be built around you as an individual and around your family and our nation. Thirdly, what's the other wall that needs to be built? Righteous living. I want you to turn in your Bible to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The enemy does not rest when you do. When you're asleep at 2 a.m., he's seeking to devour your children who are on their phones in their bedroom. When you're taking a vacation, he's seeking to devour your family, your marriage. 
I want to share just a real quick personal story with you. There was a time I was uh, pregnant for the fourth time, and that was with my awesome son, Ikella. And while I was pregnant with Ikella, uh, I had a placental abruption and had to go on bed rest. I almost lost him when I was about three months pregnant. And so my amazing, awesome husband became Mr. Everything. We had three other children that were my first three, Emmeline, I love you, I miss you, Easton and Elian running around. And Pastor Kirsten took up the charge to do full-time ministry and full-time parenting while I had to lay in bed and rest. I couldn't do anything for eight weeks. Praise God for Uncle John, who lived right around the corner. It's my husband's, my father-in-law, he's awesome. And uh, he lived right around the corner, helped us so many times. And during this time, I'm, I'm laying there. What would you do for eight weeks? You're not allowed to go for a walk. You're not allowed to, it's almost like being in quarantine. Okay. But basically all I could do was get up and use the restroom, take a quick shower, and lay back down. That was all I was allowed to do. And so I read uh, any bo 16 books in eight weeks. I just devoured things, okay? Devoured the word, all of the above. Well, my neighbor across the street was so sweet and precious. She'd bring me over some meals. And she handed me um, a book that I had heard about. It had just come out. And I thought, huh, I've heard, I've heard about this. They're making this into a movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. And I devoured the thing. And, uh, and I thought, hmm, that's pretty good. Well, the movie was actually on TV, and I, I watched the movie. And uh, I became engrossed with it. I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. Wow, they really took this. And you guys want to know what it was? You guys ever heard of the movie Twilight. Okay, and okay, I, and I was like, this is, the, this is cool, I really liked it, you know, this is like, you know, good vampires, I don't know, okay, and I was like, man, this is, this is awesome, I'm going to read the second book too, okay, I have nothing to do, all right, and so this, after I got off bed rest and stuff, I was talking to my good friend, Pastor Janelle, about it. And I shared it with my husband. He's like, no, I don't, mm -mm, don't, don't go there. And I was like, what? It's so good. I really like this. It's awesome. He's like, uh-uh. There's something wrong with that. I don't like it. And so then I went to my friend, Pastor Janelle, to try to get her to be on my side, right? I said, Pastor Janelle, have you heard these movies, these books? It's so good. She goes, I don't know, Minister Kimmy. You better pray about that. Or, was I, I don't remember if I was minister. Anyways. And, and so I was, like, conflicted, Right? And I was like, but they're so good. It's like really good entertainment. And does not, you know, da-da. And so I decided to do what I knew I should have done, and that was pray. And say, Lord, there's nothing bad about these movies. There's nothing, you know, da-da. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Three things. First, he said, your husband doesn't agree. Okay, he doesn't agree. How many of you know there's power in agreement? Okay, all right. Secondly, he said, it's not a necessity. 
It's just entertainment. It's not something you have to have to survive. And number three, he said, Kimmy, you've never liked vampires, werewolves, or any of that. You've never liked gory stuff. And somehow, somebody made it to where you would like it. I thought, whoa. little sugar-coated. And I got so convicted. I repented to my husband. I, th- I, gave, <laughs> I gave the books back to my friend. But there was something about it. I had let my guard down. I had allowed something that I had never liked before get through the gate and affect me. And I thought, wow, the enemy goes about like a roaring lion. And I want to encourage you tonight, parents, I'm speaking to you first. What walls have you built around your family to protect, defend, and safeguard them? What walls have you built? The standards of God's word should be your defense. The standards that you keep within your home of what you allow through the gate. You are the gatekeeper of your home. What do you allow to come through that gate? Your God-given role is as the watchman on the walls of your home and family. What are you allowing to pass through the gates of your home. Now I'm speaking to you as individuals. What are you allowing through the gates? What walls have the enemy, has the enemy been able to come and begin to tick down, begin to take it off brick by brick? The Lord is calling us to, to resettle, to rebuild, and to restore. You say, Minister Kimmy, I feel like it's too late for me. It's too late for my family. I want you to look in the book of Nehemiah. I want you to hear. When Nehemiah got the report of the condition of Jerusalem, that its walls were destroyed, its gates were burned by fire, what was his response? He wept. He fasted. And I believe the Lord is speaking to all of us that there are areas in our life that we have put our defenses down, that we have allowed the enemy to scale our walls or to even destroy parts of them, that we've allowed him to sneak through the gates with something we didn't see. And the Lord's calling us to a place of repentance. The Lord's calling us to a place of saying, Father, Forgive us. Nehemiah repented for his sins, the sins of his father his de- and, and all of Israel. Lord, we've sinned before you. And you said through Moses that if we were unfaithful, you would scatter us. And that's exactly what had happened. But you said if we would obey your commands, you would gather us together in your city. And the Lord took Nehemiah on a journey of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not too late for you. It is not too late for your family. Even if you feel like the walls around you are rubble, the Lord is going to strengthen you. First, confess your sins. Confess what's happened and ask the Lord for help. Second, begin the work of rebuilding the standards in your personal life. 
the standards of God's word of holiness and righteousness. Begin the work. You will have opposition, just like Nehemiah did. You may even have opposition from your kids. Sorry, you can't watch that anymore. Sorry, you can't listen to that anymore. You're going to deal with opposition. I'm going to tell you right now, you may deal, if you're a single person and you're living on your own, you're going to deal with opposition from your real enemy. There's going to be a temptation just like I was tempted. Every time I saw Twilight, there was this draw, even though I knew, no, there's going to be opposition. Build with one hand and fight with the other. Do you hear me? That's exactly what Nehemiah and his men had to do. They had to have a sword in one hand, fighting over their family, fighting over their nation, fighting for themselves as individuals, and they built with the other hand. And the Lord anointed their work. The Lord anointed their work. And I'm here tonight to encourage you. It is not too late. I'm here to encourage you, be the watchman on the tower. Be the gatekeeper. Do not allow things in your home that don't belong. The enemy would love to come. I'm going to just tell you this really quickly. One day I was at home, and we're very careful with what we watch on TV in my home. We don't have direct TV. We don't have cable, all that stuff. I don't want that junk. I, don't, I hate commercials, okay? And one day I'm in the kitchen working and I had allowed my kids to watch a certain show um, that made us laugh. It was hilarious. And I'm washing the dishes and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, go inspect what they're watching. Okay. And I look over their shoulder and it was a moment in that cartoon that displayed something defiling to my children. It was two men dressed up as women hugging each other. And I went, turn it off. You're never watching that again. Oh, turn it off. And I prayed for my children to break off defilement. I'm telling you, inspect what's coming in to your homes. Inspect what you're allowing in your personal time, laying in bed, scrolling, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you rebuild the standards of holiness and righteousness in your life. What does he promise? He promises right there in the scripture that we read that what your righteousness will shine, that the darkness around you will become like the noonday sun. If you will keep the standards of the Lord in your individual personal life and in your family, that will turn our nation around. What happens in the home is most important. What happens when you're alone? Nobody else knows, but the Lord does. And he's calling you. He's calling you to holiness and righteousness. I want to pray for you tonight, and I'm going to hand the service back over to Pastor Daniel. Would you stand with me? Build with one hand fight with the other. I want to pray for you. If you're near your family, would you just join hands with your family? Even if you're near a friend who's single, come on, you're going to pray for them. Maybe you're a widow or a widower. 
prophet Jim LaFoon said this morning that there was going to be a revival come to Alaska that thaws our state. And it starts with our own individual heart consecrated before the Lord. And in Isaiah 54, those things, this is the kind of fasting that I want. The Lord is calling us to resettle the ruins, to rebuild the walls, and to restore the homes. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, we come again and we say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, oh Lord, when we've just wanted to be entertained so we let anything come into our house. For the sake of entertainment, Father, forgive us for allowing defilement to come through the TV, to come through our phones, to come through the music that we listen to. Forgive us, oh Lord, for the defilement that's come, oh Lord, through books, magazines. Father, I pray right now you would help us to resettle the ruins, to rebuild the walls of God's standard, and to restore our homes. Father, I ask you right now, help us to build with one hand and fight for our family with the other and fight for our nation with the other hand. Lord, it begins, revival begins in our own heart, consecrated before you, yielding to you, being willing to give up things that we've gotten addicted to. Oh, Father. Re restoring the time that's been stolen. Father, I pray, help us to build the walls of prayer in our own lives, in our family, in our church. Help us to rebuild the wall of your word, how that is the rock that we stand upon. That is our sure foundation and it's alive. And help us, oh Lord, to rebuild the walls of righteous living. Help us to build those walls up high, to keep those standards high that you have declared are good and right in your eyes. I pray right now, Lord, for every parent, give them the courage to turn it off. Give them the courage to cut their children off from people who would bring them down. Father, give us the courage to be your servants. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Salvation, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you would say, that sounds great, but I've never given my heart to Jesus in the first place. I've never surrendered, surrendered to him or received his gift of salvation. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that tonight. The Bible declares for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the good news, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's nothing you can earn. It's, we don't even deserve it. He gave his son freely to deliver us. The Lord is calling you home. 
You hear me online? The Lord is calling you home. Don't be the wayward son or daughter. You don't understand. He is waiting for you just to turn and he'll come running to you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he says, come home. I wanna lead you in a prayer tonight if you've never received Jesus. I want all of us to pray tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving up your life on my behalf. So my sins could be washed away. I receive tonight your gift of salvation. Tonight I become your child. I surrender to you. You be my God. I will follow you all the days of my life. Help me, Jesus, to resist temptation, to follow hard after you, to give up the things that bind me and run after you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching down and pulling me up, for giving me new clothes. Thank you, Lord, for taking away the heaviness, the depression, the fear, the anxiety. I give it all to you. And I pray, oh Lord, renew my mind. Help me, Lord Jesus, to hear your voice clearly, saying this is the way. Walk in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.